Good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Minister Demita, and I'm excited to bring a word to you from the Lord today. Um, I just want to say first thanks to our bishop, Bishop Steve Yates. He has been an amazing, amazing pastor for years, and he is continuing to sow into our lives the word of truth, whether it's through videos from years ago or it's through messages that he preaches from this pulpit on Sunday morning and, and Wednesday nights. We're just so excited to have somebody like that who speaks truth into our lives. Um, I also wanted to give a shout out to uh, Miss Chanita and to the Yates kids. Thank you for sharing him with us. Um, as we dive in today, we're in a series called Thy Kingdom Come. And the message last week was so good and it hit me hit me hard. There was a particular thing that Bishop said, and he was talking about not seeing the word like you used to. And I had to go to God and I had to ask the hard question. What is it that makes me not see the word like I used to? What is it that makes me get bored with your word? Why is it that my love sometimes for your word, for your people, for your kingdom grows cold? And he told me, that happens when I stop asking the hard questions. That happens when I decide to suspend my disbelief. And we do this often. I mean, think about movies or shows that you watch, right? You're watching somebody do something that's completely impossible and you know it's impossible and you're okay with it for that moment. You believe that this person can fly just for that moment just for the time that you're watching that movie. You believe this person can outrun cars just for that moment. Why? Because you're doing what we call suspending your disbelief. You're letting yourself believe something that can't possibly be true just for that moment. We do that because we like to buy into a good story. But then what happens after that? Well, then you finish the movie, you finish the show, you walk out, and you don't believe you can fly. You don't believe you can outrun cars. You believe it was a good movie or it wasn't. But I submit to you that sometimes we do the same thing with the word. Sometimes we bring that same attitude to church. We hear the pastor say that there was a man named Philip who teleported. We hear the pastor say that there was a man named Elijah who outran chariots. We hear the pastor say that your faith, even if it's just the size of a mustard seed, it can move a mountain. And for that moment, you buy into it because this is a good story. But then you walk away and you don't believe that your faith really can move a mountain. You believe it was a good sermon. Why does that happen with us? Why do we do that? It's because what we've decided in our hearts is that we came to be entertained, not to be changed. We came just to hear a good story, not to become a good people. And my challenge to you today is that we've got to stop 
doing that. We come to church sometimes with this attitude that somebody just has to give you a good show. And that's the same attitude that Jesus said people had in his day. He said they were like children who said, we played wedding songs for you, but you didn't dance. So then we played funeral songs for you, but you didn't mourn. He said, John the Baptist, you, call, you said he had a demon because he didn't eat and drink with you. But then I come and I'm hanging out with you and you call me a glutton. Why? Because people came for the show. They didn't come for the word. They didn't come for truth. We've got to be a people who come for truth, who come for more than just a good show. Jesus said that in those moments when we do that, what happens is that we take good people who are obeying wisdom and the word and we speak evil of them because they're doing what wisdom demands and not what we demand. We're believing what we think we want to believe as opposed to what he actually said. So here's the question. Do you believe that the word was here, was brought here, was sent here to entertain you or to train you? Because the word was meant to equip you for the work of ministry. That's Bishop's job as an apostle. That's the job of somebody standing in this pulpit to equip you, the saints, for the work of the ministry. But it can't do that. It can't equip you if you don't put it on. If you're sitting here like you think it's the emperor's new clothes, you have to be willing to put it on and believe. And sometimes we sit here and we go, I mean, you can't really believe everything in the Bible. Like, I mean, everything can't be true, right? Like, that sounds childish to us. And yet my Bible tells me that there's certain times where it's okay to be childish. He literally says to us in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 20, he says, in malice, in evil things, be children, but in understanding, be men. I don't watch everything that's on TV. People who know me know I watch a lot of cartoons, kids shows, stuff like that. Why? Because there's an innocence about children when it comes to evil, and I want to preserve my innocence I want to preserve my conscience. I want to be tender to the things that are going on in this world. I don't want to see people dying and laugh or think it's okay. I don't want to see people hurting and think it's funny. That kind of stuff disturbs my spirit. And I would challenge you with this. Take two weeks away from your TV, from your Instagram, from your Facebook, from your YouTube, two weeks, just two weeks. And then come back to it and see how you feel. Come back to the things that you were watching, the things that you were letting entertain you and see how you feel about them. And I guarantee you nine times out of 10, there'll be something in you that just, mm, that didn't feel right. Mm, I, I used to be able to watch that, but I, I can't watch that anymore. I, some, some little twinge says, mm, no, 
Let's not go that way. It's because we've gotten used to things that aren't okay. We've gotten used to watching and participating with things that aren't okay. And then when it comes to things that are okay, we're lost. When it comes to things that are good for us, we don't even have a taste for them because we've been eating things that aren't good for us. Another way that Jesus says that it's okay to be like a child, and in fact, it's good. The disciples are around in Matthew 18, and they ask him, well, who's the greatest in the kingdom? And in the midst of them, he brings this little child. And he says, except ye be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. You're not even going to get in. Then he says, whosoever therefore shall humble himself as a little child, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And here's the thing. Sometimes just out of our own arrogance, we miss the simple joy of childlike faith. We miss Simple things like Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Those little things, can we, can we believe those? Can we believe that because the Bible said it, I believe it. I trust it. The Bible said it, so it must be so. Not I said it. Not Bishop said it. Not some preacher said it, but the Bible said it, so it must be so. A lot of times we can't believe that because what we've done is we've hit those moments where there's something we don't believe. I, I really hope you got to watch this last week's Bible encounter because it was just off the chain. And we hit this question where he just asked, okay, is God fair? And everybody was struggling with that question because you don't want to say God's not fair, right? But at the same time, the situation didn't look fair. So we're going to go take a look at it at, in uh, Numbers 20. We'll start at verse 6. And here's the situation. Literally, Moses and Aaron are leading the people of God. They're, they've been walking with God. They've been leading the people all this way. And it ends up that Moses and Aaron disobey God. And so God says, okay, you both have to die. Now, I don't know about you, but to me, that seems kind of harsh. And Bishop explained it beautifully, like why this was so bad, why the situation was so bad. He explained it beautifully. But I'm going to tell you, in my heart, I still was like, but God, that seems kind of harsh to me. And to realize that they didn't even, God spoke to them and they didn't even answer. They didn't even try to defend themselves. Nothing. And I said, well, well God, what, what happened? Like, what, what was going on that this man who you called the meekest man in all the earth, out of anger, disobeyed you? And it was, I mean, death, just immediate death sentence. So I had to go to the text. I had to ask the question of the text. So if we start in verse 6, it says, Moses and Aaron turned away from the people and went to the entrance of the tabernacle where they fell face down on the ground in worship. 
Then the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to them. And the Lord said to Moses, you and Aaron, and this was God's command, you and Aaron must take the staff and assemble the entire community. As the people watch, speak to the rock over there and it will pour out its water. So God said three things, take the staff, gather everybody, speak to the rock, okay? And he says, you will provide enough water from the rock to satisfy the whole community and their livestock. Next verse, so Moses did what God said, which is usually what Moses does. He took the staff from the place where it was kept before the Lord. Then he and Aaron summoned the people, check mark number two, and had them gather at the rock. This is where he messes up. Listen, you rebels, he shouted. Now wait, when did God ever say, say anything to the people? As the messenger of God, it was his responsibility to say what God said, when God said it, to whom God said, say it. God said, speak to the rock. He never said, speak to the people. Then he says, must we bring you water from this rock? Who is we? Who is the we that's going to bring this water? Then verse 11 says, Moses raised his hand and struck the rock twice with the staff and water gushed out. So what God said was going to happen still happened despite his disobedience. But here's the kicker. Let's jump down to verse 12. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, this was the we, because you did not trust me. Let's just stop right there. Because you did not trust me. Moses, you knew better than to not trust me. Aaron, you knew better than to not trust me. You've seen too much. You've been through too much with me. Not to trust me to do what I say I'm going to do. And that is why Moses and Aaron could no longer lead the people. And here's the thing. I didn't come to the text to question God because I believe he's sovereign. I didn't come to the text to question Bishop because I know he studies. I came because there was a question in my heart and I know that Bishop's not my answer. I know that it's the Holy Spirit's job to guide me into all truth. So I come to him and say, well, do your job, let's go. But where's the truth in this? Teach me, show me, answer the hard questions for me. Because Paul said, I've got to be fully persuaded in my own mind. I can't sit up here and waver between two opinions. I can't say God is God, but then live like he's not. I can't have two different opinions going on in my own head. Well, that doesn't seem right, but you know, God is God, so I can't. No, that's not what our God said. He said, keep on asking, keep on knocking, keep on seeking. We serve a God who is not afraid of our questions, who tells us to ask questions. He said, ask questions, keep on asking, and you'll get answers. 
But we've got to stop putting him in this box and calling it faith. Because we slide him over here into the fiction category, just like the movies and shows that we watch when he does impossible things, when we hear impossible stories. We click out. We go, oh, oh yeah, that's a good story. That's cute. We do that because we haven't seen it. But we don't ask the hard question, why haven't I seen it? Minister Durrell is a good friend of ours. And I call him spiritually greedy. And we laugh about it all the time because here's the thing about him. Here's the thing I love about him. He says, God, if you got it, I want it. If they can have it, you're no respecter of persons. I want it too. If it can happen, let it happen to me. That's the kind of attitude that God's looking for from us. That's the kind of attitude where you start seeing God move. Why? Because you stopped suspending your disbelief. You said, okay, God, well, I trust that you're real, but if this is real, you got to show me. That's the kind of faith that we have to press into God with. And some of us say, well, you know, if you keep asking, if, if you keep going after it, that's, that's not really faith, is it? It takes faith to keep believing that the answers you seek are there. Bishop says all the, all the time, just because I don't understand doesn't mean there is an understanding. God, you got it. You have the understanding. I need it. So give it to me. We have to stand before God one day. And when we do that, we cannot stand on someone else's words. You will hit situations and we're, we're in a pandemic right now. You can't stand on my words. You can't stand on Bishop's words. You can't stand on anybody else's words, but his. And when we walk with him, when we talk with him, we learn what he actually said. See, we, we come to him with other people's words like, well, you know, Lord, I, I know you said you'll never put more on me than I can bear. And he goes, did I? I don't, I don't remember that. I remember saying that there's no temptation that's overtaken you except such as common to man. And with every temptation, I will give a way of escape that you may be able to bear it meaning that you weren't supposed to stand there in the temptation. Hello, somebody. You're supposed to take the way out. But no, I don't remember ever saying that. And then we say the word doesn't work. Well, it doesn't work if you don't work it. You have to know what it is that he said so you can say to him what he said. You've got to take the time for yourself to study, to show yourself approved. A workman who needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That's what this Bible Encounter series that we're in is all about. Teaching you the foundations of your faith. Teaching you the core of your faith. Those things that you got to know to be able to get the rest of the word right. Because if you don't get this, these six things right, found in Hebrews 6, 1 through 3, if you don't get those right, you won't understand the rest of it. None of, it. none of the rest of it does you any good if you can't get the foundation because you'll always be shaky. And we're not here to make shaky Christians. 
We're here to set you on a foundation of gold, as Paul said, so that you can build on it and build something that'll last, build something that'll make it through the fire, build something that'll make it through the circumstances and the situations that you face, build something that'll help you through. And that's what this life is about. You've got to come to God with a sincere heart and ask your sincere questions so you can get answers. Let me tell you the difference. We'll go to Acts chapter 17. We'll go to verse 1. And this is, Paul is traveling through, um, he's traveling through various regions at this time, and he comes to a city called Thessalonica. And let's actually go to verse 2. It says, he comes to Thessalonica, he says, as was Paul's custom, he went to the synagogue service, and for three Sabbaths, so this is at least three weeks that he was there in a row, he used the scriptures to reason with the people. He explained the prophecies and proved that the Messiah must suffer and rise from the dead. He said, this Jesus I'm telling you about is the Messiah. Now, here's the thing. Paul was teaching them and training them, and that's good. You need that teaching and training. You need somebody to explain these things to you so that you know how to walk with God. But let me do one better for you. Let's skip down to verse 10. And it says, um, Paul left there to go to Berea. When they arrived there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. So he's doing the same thing. Verse 11 says, the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica. And they listened eagerly to Paul's message. So they heard his preaching. Hearing the preaching is great. Do that. Get as much word into you as you can. But here's what they did. They searched the scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. At the end of the day, God's not going to come to you and say, did you live the word that somebody preached to you? He's going to say, did you live my word? Did you walk my standard? Or did you just take what they gave you? One of the reasons that I am a part of this church is that we serve under a pastor who doesn't just want you to take what he gives you. He wants you to go make sure it's true on your own. Test it out. Try it on. Because you don't want to be in the day of battle and be like David, where we've given you armor, but you haven't tested it. You haven't worn it, so you don't know how to fight with it. You got to try this thing on at home so that you know it works. We're coming to you here because we know it works. We're coming to you here because we've been in our prayer closets. We've been in our kitchens with God, and he's cooked up some beautiful meals for us. And then we bring little bite-sized nuggets to you so you can enjoy them. That's what, we, what Peter refers to as the sincere milk of the word. But Peter also says, it's given to you so you can grow thereby. Don't tell me you're mature. Don't tell me you're grown if you can't make a meal for yourself. If you can't get in that kitchen 
and fix something with God. If you can't go, oh, God, that was good to me this morning. What you said was just blew my mind today. Sometimes it's the simplest, littlest things that God will completely change your world with because you took the time to sit with him with it. You took the time to be with him and to believe him. We're doing a study right now in um, Luke, our Frontier Focus study this month. And one of the things that I love about Luke is that it lays out so many people's stories in such detail. I'm all about detail. And there's two people that come up in, in that story in the very first chapter. There's Zacharias, who is married to Elizabeth, and they end up being the parents of John the Baptist. And then there's Mary, who becomes the mother of Jesus. And I always thought it was, it was interesting how the two of them basically asked the same question in chapter one. Zacharias asked, well, how can I be sure this is going to happen? Mary asked, well, how can I, how is this going to happen, basically? How, how's this gonna work out? Here's the difference. Zacharias said, oh, I hear what you're saying, but I wanna be sure. But he's talking to an angel in the Holy of Holies where that doubt literally could have cost him his life. They literally used to put ropes on the, on the person who was serving as the high priest because an instant of doubt in that moment, God could have taken your life and they'd have to drag you back out. They wore bells so that people could make sure you were still moving around. You are in the presence of God and he's speaking to you and you go, eh, yeah, I don't know about that. Versus Mary who said, okay, I mean, that doesn't really sound, sound rational. Help me understand. And that's the attitude that we're called to come to God with. Help me understand. Help me see what you see because I trust you, but I don't see it. Help me see it, God. Help me understand what you're seeing. We talk sometimes about um, how to take the Bible and what we should do with the word. And I'll tell you, I'm very literal. God knows me. So simple things like he says, give no thought for what you'll eat or what you'll wear. So I'll wake up in the morning and go, okay, God, what are we wearing today? I'll, I'll get hungry and I'll go, okay, God, what are we eating? Why? Because he said, take no thought. So I'm not going to think about it. I take him at his word, that literally. But that's me. That's my choice. That's my relationship with my God. You've got to get yours. What does your relationship look like? You know, I heard somebody say one time that God's not sarcastic because he's not sarcastic with them. And I was like, mm, he is with me. But that's because I'm sarcastic. What does your relationship with God look like? What are the flavors that he puts on your plate that are good to you? What's those things that he's going to show you in the word that nobody else might ever see? But they were there for you. They were put there just for you to be able to see him in a way that you never would have seen him. So you can help other people see him in a way they never would have seen him. He's waiting on you. Because this is a season where the harvest is white. 
People's hearts are ready. People are hurting and in need and they're desperate. This is a season where the church is needed more than ever. Don't think because the church doors are closed that the church isn't needed. The church is essential because you're the church. If it had not been for persecution in the days of Acts, the gospel would have never left Jerusalem. For many of us, if it was not for this season, the gospel would have never left our mouths. But we have to take the opportunities that we're given, even in the hard times, and especially in the hard times, to ask those hard questions so that we have answers for people who ask. So we're able to give, as Peter says, a reason for the hope that we have. Because you can't keep just hoping. You got to know that you know that you know this thing is real. I don't play God. I don't play with him. I know him. And I know him because he talks to me and he walks with me. He's the one who tells me I'm his own. It's his spirit that agrees with my spirit that I'm a child of God. But I've got to know that for myself. Doesn't matter how many times somebody else tells me. I won't believe it until I see it. So I need God to show me. And God's okay with showing you. Trust and believe we serve a God who shows up. We serve the God who showed up when a man said, okay, well, you know what? The God that answers by fire is real. That's what I'm praying for in our lives. God, I need you to light a fire under us. I need you to show us that you're real. I need you to be the God who shows up by fire. Because people are praying to all these other things and sending good vibes and, and act like it's all the same. People act like God, Allah, and Jesus are the same thing. Do you know your God? Because they may be the same in, in name, but not in nature, not in character. Do you know the God you serve? And if you don't, get to know him. My God, you know, Stevie Wonder was the one who said, when you believe in things you don't understand, then you suffer. This isn't superstition we're dealing with. This is real. And if it hasn't become real to you yet, make it real today. Get in that word today. Get in your prayer closet today. Take the time to go with him where he's going, to see him and to seek him while he may be found. Because he's not far from you. He's not far from any one of us. But he came looking for you today. He woke you up this morning to spend some time with him, to get to know him a little better, to give you another opportunity to know him a little better. Will you take that opportunity today? Will you take him at his word today? That's what he's asking. And sometimes 
there are moments where it's difficult to do that for us, where we feel like, I don't know. I don't know. There are moments in our lives where we're like that man um, who was standing before Jesus' disciples and his son was demon-possessed. And he just comes to God and he says, help me. If you can help me, please do something. And in that moment, Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. And he's very honest in that moment. That man says, God, I believe, but help thou my unbelief. Help me in those places where I don't believe you, where I'm not trusting you, where I think what you've said is incredible, but impossible, and so I've pushed it to the side. I think this is a hard saying, and so I've pushed it to that side. But it's hard, so then I don't deal with it. Help me to deal with the hard things in your word, the things that challenge what I think about you. Help me to deal with those things that may break my heart and may break my understanding, but they're right. That's the attitude that we have to come to God with, knowing him, trusting him, and saying, help me in those places where I don't trust you. I wanna pray for us for a moment. Dear Heavenly Father, we just come to you today And we ask that you open up our hearts, God. Open up those places where we've shut you out in our disbelief. Open up those places where we've said, it's too hard for me to understand, so I'm not going to seek understanding. God, I pray for your people as Jesus prayed for his disciples. God, that you would open our understanding today. God, open up our understanding today. We pray, God, that you would help us to believe you in the hardest moments, on the darkest days, and in the brightest sunshine, that you would cause us to remember that you are the God who makes the sunshine on all and the rainfall on the just and the unjust, that you are the God who is always faithful, who delights in loving kindness, in judgment and in righteousness, that you are a God who made us and shaped us and calls us back to yourself day in and day out from the rising of the sun to the setting of the same. God, those places where we've allowed ourselves to be far from you, we repent of them in this moment. 
and we ask you to show them to us that we may come into the full knowledge, grow into the full knowledge of Jesus Christ, who is the head. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. For those of you today who have come and you say, you know what, I, I need to know this God. I don't know who he is. I don't understand. And I wanna believe, but I don't know how. All you have to do today, just lift your hand. I want you to pray with me. Just say these words after me. Heavenly Father, I believe you. And I want to belong to you. I'm asking today that you make me your child. That Jesus Christ would come into my life and take away my sin. That you would take the thoughts that aren't like you and give me thoughts that are. That you would give me your strength and your peace. That you would make me a child of the King so that I can be like you. In Jesus' name, amen. It's done. Welcome to the family. We thank you. We are so excited that you're a part of what we're doing here. We pray that you would come dive into the word. Go onto our website and there's years of sermons to look at to help you walk this word and learn who God is. Plug in on Sunday mornings. Plug in on Wednesday nights. Plug in with the people around you. You know, give us a call here at the church or you can email bishop at bishop at the frontier church.com. We're here to help you grow and to help you know the one who is going to make you grow. We love you, family. We can't wait to be together again. God bless you. Have a great day.